Call me sentimental, but to me, the most joyful moment in sports is the soccer goal. And when that goal happens at the World Cup, well, it's pretty good. I'm Brian Phillips. With the 2022 Men's World Cup approaching, I'm making a podcast called 22 Goals on the Ringer Podcast Network. It's about 22 of the most fire emoji goals in the history of the tournament. We're going to have so much fun. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Ringer NFL. Just go to Indeed.com slash Ringer NFL right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. From your morning podcast to your fantasy team, we know you personalize your entire day. That's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with State Farm Personal Price Plan. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices may vary by state. Options selected by customer availability and eligibility may vary. Welcome to the Ringer NFL Show. My name is Danny Heifetz, and I am joined by Steven Ruiz and Ben Solak. And today, we are going through the 2022 playoff field. Who's going to make the playoffs? Who's going to win the division? Who's going to win the Super Bowl? We're going to go division by division, starting with the AFC playoff teams. Then we'll do the NFC playoff teams because the NFC is worse. And then we'll do the Super Bowl. We're going to start with the AFC West. Steven, we got the Chiefs, the Chargers, the Broncos, the Raiders, and the AFC West. Chiefs have won this division six years in a row. Do you think the Chiefs are going to win the AFC West again? This was the toughest one for me, but I'm going to say no. I think the Chiefs have, still have the best quarterback in the division. They still have the best coach, but the Chargers have the best roster, and that's what I'm going with. I'm going with the best roster. Over the course of an 18-game season, I have more confidence in the Chargers playing their A game from September to December than I do for the Chiefs, because I think they are going to have to figure some things out without Tyreek Hill. I understand the thinking behind getting rid of him, but there's going to be an adjustment period. So, like, do you agree on Chargers winning the division, and do you agree the Chargers have the best roster in the division? Yeah, I mean, like, I'm willing to take it a step further. If you if you just let me sit down, if you if you wipe my slate clean of knowing histories of teams and playoff curses and special teams foolishness, and I just look at rosters, it's tough to pick anybody over the Chargers, man. And the the roster is just unbelievably good. Uh, star talent at significant positions of value quarterback wide receiver left tackle pass rusher corner like if you were if you were building it this is how you'd build it baby this is they are a ludicrously good roster it is for the fear of how many times we have all been burned by the chargers as fans or as fantasy football drafters or analysts now you know over the course of many many years it's just so hard to believe in them that it feels like picking the division is like all right a little bit out on the edge, but not as far out on the on the on the ledge as I'd like to, as I uh, as I might take myself. I think the Chargers win the division. I think that the Chiefs won a lot of games last year that they had the ability to lose because at times the offense was was bad and the defense was kind of saving their bacon and the defense was bad and the offense was saving their bacon and they were winning some close games. They also lost some close games, but I think that just like dominant pole to pole Chiefs is not something I expect to see. 
Uh, whereas with the Chargers, I can see the offense and the defense both peaking this season. Uh, I like the Chargers more than I like the Chiefs this year. If that means I'm like, you know, doubting Mahomes and Andy Reid and I'm an idiot, then I'm an idiot. But that's that's the job is prognostication. That's just what it looks like. I don't know. I guess at some point this just becomes a conversation as well about like Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert. Bill's been picking the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl and everything because he keeps saying Mahomes with an offensive line in five seconds is the most dangerous thing in football. But Steven, you wrote an awesome story for The Ringer today about the Chargers and how good of a processor Justin Herbert is. Like, let's be real. Like, is there, like, if we're talking about this, at some point it's going to be a question of Herbert versus Mahomes. I know that's reductive, but also it's fun. Do you think that by the end of this season, we're going to be talking about Justin Herbert MVP, but also just Justin Herbert maybe even being better than Mahomes? I mean, I think there's going to be a conversation. I was willing to have that conversation. I'm about to say, Steven's been on that conversation, yeah. I've been willing to have that conversation since like week one last year, but I would personally take Mahomes right now just because I think he he's more of like an artist at the position. I think he can like go off script better than Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert is just like amazing at sticking to the script and finding the answers in the script. But I th- I do think sometimes like as a quarterback, you need to go and make a play. And, I, and for me, I think that's the one thing that's separating Justin Herbert from Mahomes and even Aaron Rodgers at this point. So I think there will be a discussion because I wouldn't be surprised if, if Herbert lives a little more this season. Like he, he doesn't throw that check down as, as quickly as he did last year. And maybe he tries to take off with his legs a little more often, but uh, it's, it's so hard for me to say that he's, he's definitely going to be better than Mahomes at the end of the season. Just because I think Mahomes has so much more room to grow as a passer himself. Yeah. That was a big part of how they got better in the passing game in the back half of last year was convincing Herbert that like, Hey, so you're looking at your first read and you feel like he's not open, so you're on to your second read. And that's great. That's amazing. You're so good at processing. You're the best. However, if your first read is Keenan Allen, you can feel free to, like, take a beat and just be like, I wonder if Keenan Allen's going to get open here because he probably is. And he's better at catching it than, like, Donald Jared Parham. <laughs> yeah, like, Steve and I both go straight <laughs> for the tight ends. But, like, that's what it is. It's like, Herbert's got a little bit of, like, I know how it's supposed to be like perfect according to the textbook. Like think like jazz musician. Eventually you got to just let, let go of it and just play it and make the mistakes and just kind of like let it let it be. In this case, it's like, all right, Keenan's the guy. You have to be willing to like disrupt your process a little bit to let Keenan take that extra half a second to beat a corner on third and seven, get him the ball and we get a new set of downs instead of being like, it's time for the check down, you know? So there's there's a learning process there. Mahomes is just more, is, is more experienced than Herbert too. He's endured more ups and downs. We've seen him respond to more things. Like the whole like too high thing, sure, but like he was figuring out answers for that last year. Like Mahomes is just like, we have a longer proof of concept. So it just feels safer to be like, yeah, Mahomes now, but don't say we didn't warn you when. This is a real conversation. The moral of the story, Chiefs versus Chargers, which we're supposed to actually be talking about, is yeah, like Mahomes and and, and Herbert are both going to deliver you seasons, even if they're not at their best, where you can like easily win the division. They're both incredible. To me, when I go to, to parse that conversation at the, like, at the final moment, I look at a, a Chargers defense that was 26th in DVOA last year, and they added Khalil Mack, Sebastian Joseph Day, Kyle Van Noy, J.C. Jackson. Then you look at a Chiefs defense that was 24th last year in DVOA, and they added Trent McDuffie and George Karloftis. And Justin Reed for Tyron Matthew, which I think, like, with where Tyron at was at in his career, like, the effort was a bit of a question last year. I still think that's, like, a bump. Like, I think Justin Reed is, is beneficial. 
But it's not a bump compared to 2020, 2019 tire. Matthew, yeah, but, but compared to 2021. To yeah, yeah, right. But then it's just like they like they they got their first round rookies. And like, I think Karloftis is going to be good. I'm a little bit shaky on McDuffie. But it's just so clear to me which defense is ready to take a big step into into a top ranking. Whereas the Chiefs defense, I think, is still going to be this like feast or famine unit. And that rounds out the argument for me in terms of charges over Chiefs. I think I think it's clear that none of us are even considering the the Broncos and the Raiders, and it comes back to the quarterback conversation. Like that's the difference between those teams and these other teams that are loaded. I mean, they're they're obvious like weak spots on both rosters, but like there's a gap between the top two quarterbacks and the bottom two quarterbacks, and the bottom two quarterbacks are really freaking good. But man, it's just the the other two guys are playing a different sport. So you guys don't think Russ is in the conversation with not even Mahomes, but not even the conversation with Herbert. Russ is closer to Derek Carr than he is to Justin Herbert. I don't think Russ is closer to Carr than he is to her than no, he is yeah, no. yeah, to Herbert, but I don't think he's in that conversation. I, I'm very persnickety about this. Elite <laughs> That's means a 10 cent word. Yeah. Elite means elite. When people are like, oh, there's five elite quarterbacks. No, there's not. That's not what elite means. Uh, if elite means top 10%, which even then is I think is a charitable reading of elite. That means there's three elite quarterbacks of the 32 starting quarterbacks in the NFL, right? It's 10%. So like the elite quarterbacks are like Mahomes, Herbert, Josh Allen, and like that even leaves Aaron Rodgers out. I know it sucks, but like that's the sort of conversation. Also, Tom Brady did come back from the training yeah, camp. Yeah, it's like, just, you know, he's not makes, in the Bahamas yeah, anymore. It makes it tough. Like that's the sort of, of that's, that's how the word elite has kind of gotten this large, you know, this wider scope. Russ is not an elite quarterback anymore. There was a time at which he was. Russ is now on the wrong side of 30. Look at the way he scrambles. Look at the, the getting out of sack percentages. Look at the scrambles to first down percentages. Not as good. Like, athletically, he's, he's, he's fallen a little bit, and his play style relies on that a lot. So while Russ's deep ball is still one of the best deep balls in the league, Russ's ability to create is still one of the top ones in the league. It's not what it used to be, where it was Russ and then everybody else in terms of avoiding sacks and escaping pressures and creating down the field. It's not the same. So Russ still a very good quarterback. There's no doubt in my mind that Russell Wilson is playing well enough that he could sustain a Super Bowl season if everything around him were great. You look at Denver and you go, okay, like maybe if the offensive line really takes that step, like that, that step to be like a, a solid five across unit, maybe if Cortland Sutton is all the way back from injury, maybe if first-year defensive coordinator Jiro Evero has that entire unit firing on all cylinders, maybe if Nate Hackett actually has like offensive guru ability to him, that's a lot. A lot of maybes, right? So to me, like Russ is really is really good. The supporting cast is solid. I think the Broncos are a clear playoff team, and they're gonna you know play the Chiefs into the fourth quarter when they play them. They're gonna play the Chargers in the fourth quarter when they play them. I don't think they're gonna be a bad team, but I think once we start splitting hairs in this AFC West, they're a tier below. Okay, so the Chargers, we, you guys both have winning the division. I agree with that. Wild cards, gonna give the Chiefs a wild card, right? Pencil yeah, yeah. pencil them in. Broncos, we can come back to them at the end. AFC North. Is it a two man? Is it is this a two team race between the Bengals and the Ravens? Is it a three team between Bengals, Ravens, Browns? Four team? Are you throwing the Steelers in? I'm curious what you think of that select. Two team race to me. Uh, I think Mike Tomlin's going to go eight eight and one somehow because that's the laws of nature. But I don't really rate the Steelers as a playoff team. Important to note that I have not rated the Steelers as a playoff team in each of the last two seasons. The Steelers have been a playoff team in each of the last two seasons. I will never learn. All right. There's Mike Tomlin's an extremely good coach, but there has to be a water's edge somewhere. Uh, so I don't think the Steelers are in it. And I think that the Browns, if they like, if they had eight games of Deshaun Watson, 10, 12, like the Deshaun that we've seen recently is not good. And also we haven't seen a lot of Deshaun recently. I don't, I have very little reason to trust the Browns right now. Uh, so to me, two team race Ravens and the Bengals last year, 
the Ravens were still hanging around with the bang, the Bengals late into the playoff picture, right? They were they were in the hunt for the division win and they had nobody. And the, the, the injuries were unbelievable. And they were like, you know, fighting the Packers, you know, down a two-point conversion to win the game against Aaron Rodgers, the MVP. It's an unbelievably well-coached team that knows how to get to its spots, right? It has a culture, it has a system, they know how to draft and develop for that system. Those systems are changing a little bit, which makes them a really, really interesting team. On defense, they've been blitz, 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 blitz with Don Wink Martindale. He's gone, their old DC, and they replaced him with Mike McDonald, who's a little bit more of like, I will blitz, and I'll look like I'm blitzing a lot, but they're going to actually drop some more guys into coverage, which I think will be helpful because last year, Marlon Humphrey, not the best season, corner injury got attacked, and they couldn't really address that. They just had to keep playing man because all they knew how to do. Offensively, you've seen them give up on the deep ball a little bit. Marquise Brown no longer there. And they look to be a little bit lighter and a little bit faster on the offensive line, namely with Tyler Linderbaum at center. It looks like they might get under center a little bit more if we're to take training camp reps seriously and practice reps. Might run some under center play action, throw over the middle of the field. They're a little bit changing the way they want to work on offense. I think both of these things are good news. I think they are addressing the issues that have popped up for them schematically over the last couple of years. So I like the Ravens to win the division. I'd like to see what all of the injured people look like before I get to make that that uh, that claim. I'd love to see Ronnie Stanley and J.K. Dobbins and Lamar Jackson and, and, and uh, Marlon Humphrey like all in the field, but I don't get to. I got to do this preseason, and that's the tricky thing about it. I'd like the Ravens to win the division. Still think the Bengals are going to be good, but I like, Baltimore's arrow to me is pointing up in, in, in terms of getting healthy, in terms of changing the way they approach things. I like the Ravens a lot. Steven, you nodded at the two-team race. So you're Bengals-Ravens. We're noted Bengals haters. Do you have the Ravens winning this division too? Yeah, I have the Ravens winning. I think Rashad Bateman is like the key to everything, actually. I would say Rashad Bateman on the offensive side and Marcus Marcus Peters on the defensive side. They do need a second quarter. They didn't have that last year. Rashad Bateman, and I went to their training camp. He was getting open every play. He was literally open every play. It didn't matter how they were covering him. Like they're playing outside leverage. He had an outbreaking route. He got open anyway. He found a way. And they haven't had a receiver like that ever in the history of the Ravens organization. They've never had a receiver you can isolate on one side of the field and force the defense to adjust. And Greg Roman talked about that. I asked him at a, at a press conference and he was like, yeah, like having that ISO guy like changes how I can call plays. Like I can call different types of plays when I have that guy. And that's kind of been like a consistent theme throughout the offseason. Roman has talked about Lamar being a better passer, more like his mechanics are better. He's throwing the ball as... as well He's as he has jacked during his career. He's jacked. And he said, that is going to change the way I can call passing plays. And then when I talked to Rashad Bateman, he was like, our passing game is going to be totally different. It's going to be a different passing game. So if that happens and this all works out and Rashad Bateman is this number one receiver, this true number one receiver, this Ravens offense is going to look different than what we've seen in the past. Maybe even different from what we saw in 2019 when Lamar won MVP and they scored the most points in the league. Something that deserves extremely heavy, like I will say this every opportunity I have to say this for the rest of time. I've been charting NFL draft quarterbacks since 2018, which was the year Lamar came out. Lamar is one of the best passers between the numbers that I've ever charted. No, like when Lamar's on play action, running, running. No, no, no qualifier. No, like because of this is very accurate, extremely good between the numbers passer. A large part of that is because like linebackers are terrified of what he can do to them, but like he throws the ball really well in that area. The Ravens have not emphasized that area. They wanted to be a deep passing team. They wanted to, because like, not to get too schemey here, but teams were playing too high against the Ravens before they were playing too high against anybody else because they wanted both those safeties in the fit. 
they wanted both of them to come down against the run. So you can't play single high because that guy's never coming down against the run. So two deep safeties, but those deep safeties are like nine yards back and they were max fitting. They were fitting downhill. So, all right, we're just gonna throw it over the top of everybody. Turns out that sucks. Uh, it's really hard to do, especially when your number one deep threat is Marquise Brown, who's my size and can't track a football. So they're going to change the way they do things a little bit and try to attack that intermediate middle of the field. And that Lamar's such a good thrower there. And I think that a lot of this improvement that you'll see will be him getting better, him learning stuff at the NFL level, sure. But also, he that's his best area of the field. I think the Ravens are finally going to start hammering that. I, I'm, I'm writing about this and I'm like wasting all my good stuff. But just to back up Solak's point, like their last... In like every metric that measures volume on passes outside the number, they don't attempt them. They don't run the routes. They don't have get any production from them. And it's just been a part of the offense has just been in this little box in between the numbers. And getting a receiver like Bateman will allow them to spread things out and give Lamar more space, which is going to be good because he's the greatest space player I've ever seen in in the NFL. Now I'm confused. So like you're saying you charted Lamar inside the numbers and he's really good. And Steven, you're saying he's great outside the numbers. I thought the whole criticism no, 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 of no. Lamar was outside. I'm saying the Ravens don't do anything outside the numbers because they don't have the players. They don't have the receivers to do that. They didn't even try to throw outside the numbers. When Lamar threw outside the numbers last year, he was really good at it. And then he got hurt. And so we don't know what that's going to look like this year. Okay, so, are we, so we got the Ravens to win the AFC North. Are we giving the Bengals a wild card spot? I gave him my second one. Bengals, Bengals are going to be good this year. They have a good team with good players. The Bengals were good last year. They were a good team with good players. They did not project as a team to make a Super Bowl run, and they did. They won three very close games over the course of the AFC playoffs, and then sadly lost a very close game in the Super Bowl. It is not that the Bengals are bad. It is not that I think the Bengals are bad. It is that regression is a good bet in terms of prognostication. We expect things that are outliers to not remain outliers over long periods of time. We expect them to regress to the mean. So the Bengals will be about as good as they were last year. They're going to get some unluckier coin flips on deep passes and on turnovers and on late games. And they're probably going to win roughly the same number of games, but not be able to make as long of a playoff run. And that's just the nature of, of football, man. That's the nature of, of single elimination win and you go forward playoff games. Right? We don't play series of seven. That's why you get runs like these, why you get runs like Heifetz's Eli Manning Giants and everything like that. Like, I was you know, literally the, about to say, exactly, yeah. like the Giants beating the 16-0 Patriots, like Giants fans shouldn't be insulted the next season when people are not picking them to win, like make it back yeah. to the Super Bowl. Bengals are going to be point. good, but they're probably not going to be winning the games that they were winning in January this year that they won last year. Okay, so we got Chargers to win the AFC West, Chiefs get a wild card, Ravens win the AFC North, Bengals get a wild card. AFC East, this is a much shorter conversation. It's the Bills, right? We all... We all picked the, the New the York right. football jets, baby. Uh, yeah. Bills are going to win the division. It's not going to be close. Let's go. So we'll do that. Let's go to the AFC South. We'll talk wild cards. AFC South. Do we all have the Colts over the Titans? I have the Colts. I don't have the Titans coming in second. And I really wanted to pick the Jags. I know I'm yeah, just like buddy, drinking the Doug the Kool-Aid, get the Trevor the Lawrence Kool-Aid, but yeah, Jags second place. Why not? They have the, se- they have the best quarterback in the division. I think he will be the best quarterback by the end of the year. I think Matt Ryan's the best quarterback right now. I also have the Colts winning the division. I think that like the Titans and the Jags will be like record-wise roughly the same. Obviously, if the Jaguars and the Titans are roughly the same record-wise, that's a bad season for the Titans and an awesome season for the Jaguars in terms of like momentum. Again, like in terms of don't be surprised, we tried to warn you Herbert Mahomes conversation. Do not be surprised if it's week 15 and we're talking Jaguars playoff picture, right? Like not that they're like in it, but like, we're in December and the Jaguars still have a shot to get into the playoffs. That would not surprise me one bit. 
So here's what's incredible to me about the AFC is we have one wild card spot left. If we're giving the Colts the AFC South and the Bills the AFC East, we now have to give one wild card spot. You've got the Broncos who added Russell Wilson, the Raiders who made the playoffs last year. You've got the Dolphins who added Tyreek Hill and all, I mean, like a hundred plus million dollars guaranteed to a bunch of players, the Patriots, the Jets, the Titans who made the playoffs, the number one seed in the AFC last year, the fake, fake one, but still the Jaguars. Who are you guys giving this last spot in the AFC wildcard to? Steven smile. You got a, you got a shit eating grin, Steven. Who are you giving it to? I gave it to the Dolphins, man. I was surprised. I gave it to the Dolphins. I gave it to a, to a playoff quarterback. Yeah. I didn't expect it out of myself, but when I went through, I, I, I just think they have an easier path. I think the Broncos are going to be better, a better team. The Dolphins have an easier path, an easier schedule. So, like, do you agree? I mean, is that basically what we're saying? Do you agree with what Steven just said, where Dolphins are – also, I say Dolphins weird, so I apologize to everybody, but the, <laughs> my New York comes out. But do you agree? Broncos are just a better team, but they're playing the FC West, so it sucks to suck. We need, like, one of those, like, FBI messages that played before DVDs in the 2000s, but it's for hype it said Dolphins on this episode. Like, a content warning, right? Like – on this episode, we unfortunately had to talk about the AFCs, which means Hyphens dolphined 85 times. Uh, I think it's more likely the Dolphins win five games than the Dolphins make the playoffs. I don't think the Dolphins are going to be very good. Um, I think we are expecting Mike McDaniel to be able to get this offense working really fast. And I think that th- that belief is optimistic relative to the way that we've seen like other Shanahanites spread off and go and be in charge of an offense. I'm thinking like Rich Gangarello and Mike LaFleur. And like, yes, you have good stories. You have like your Matt LaFleurs of the world. You have your like, you know, Kevin Stefanski's off the Kubiak trees where guys like came up in it, brought it somewhere else and immediately figured out how to get it working. But it's not a 100% proposition. So that's the number one thing. Number two, I think culture-wise, this gets really, really weird really quick. The Dolphins, I agree, like largely have an easy schedule. However, the beginning of their schedule totally sucks. I think the Dolphins might start 0-3. And with the way that Tyreek Hill has generally behaved since he got to Miami, I think that we suddenly start to get comments and conversations. I don't think that's unreasonable. And that brings me to point like 2B, which is I think Brian Flores did a lot, a lot in terms of keeping the general culture of this building okay while he was there if there's anything we've learned from like legion of boom we've learned a lot of things from that era seahawks but another thing is like your team can hate your quarterback but if you can like kind of keep it quiet for a little bit you can kind of keep this thing together with duct tape but that's really good coaching and i'm not sure that mike mcdaniel has that he might but i have no reason to believe that he does i haven't seen it yet it's his first time as a head coach it's a really tough thing to do i think that things in miami could get really testy really quick and then you're all of a sudden dealing with quarterback drama, a lot of visibility on like easy mistakes, tons of questions and like constant, you know, kind of autopsies and litigation of how the offense works. I also think this offensive line is still really bad. Like it's obviously super fun to sign Teron Armstead and that's very helpful. But when the rest of the line is Liam Eichenberg at guard, Connor Williams at center, Robert Hunt at guard and still Austin Jackson at tackle, we're probably still doing this again. That to me is extremely worrisome. Uh, I think I, I don't believe in the Dolphins. Uh, my pick for the wildcard team is the bank is the Broncos, which might might be like chalky, but I think like Asim said, they're a good team. They're better. I think they're going to be too good to not like win 11 games and hang around. I think they're able to like split with the Chiefs or split with the Chargers. I think they clearly get one, if not two over the Raiders. I think they're they're just too talented to not be able to hang in the wildcard picture. 
How, how do you say all that about Mike McDaniel, but then you pick a Nathaniel Hackett team to make because, the playoffs and overcome they, all that? But, okay, because we're talking, Broncos, about offenses, we're talking about offenses getting off to a rocky start. I mean, that's Russ every September and October. Russ has been doing this for a decade. Nobody likes or believes in Tua. Like, that's a huge... They're <laughs> no, starting from extremely different likes. places. <laughs> you no, didn't have to say nobody likes them. They are... They are the Broncos are much more veteran. The Broncos are much more, we know what we're about. We have a veteran leader. Like, yeah, Russ could be bad for the first five weeks of the season. He's still going to be like doing the Russ thing and people are still going to be believing in Russ. Tua does not have nearly as long of a leash as Russ does in that regard. No, but he doesn't have Nathaniel Hackett as a coach. And he has time. My thing with McDaniel is, I don't know if he's going to be a great head coach. I think he is going to be a decent offensive coordinator. And when you have Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill, I don't know how you don't get a good offense out of that. That just puts so much stress on a defense and you could just do so much because of that that I think he's going to be on easy mode compared to Nathaniel Hackett who's going to be figuring out how to how to run from the gun all year because he can't call under center plays. I hear you in the sense of like, you have an offense with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. It's going to be very difficult for it to be bad. Number one, there was a large stretch of the year last season where an offense had Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, and Patrick Mahomes and was bad. Like, that was a period of time that existed. Number one. That's a good point. Relatively <laughs> speaking. Relatively no, speaking. Was, no, they, no, it was, no, they it was were not relative. Like they were just bad. points, yeah. Number for two. For like three games. They were still like, the, it was like, in terms of getting first down, they were like the greatest offense ever for the first month and a half. They just Number were getting two. bad luck in the turnout Listen, in the red zone. Advanced stats are for nerds. Number two. Let's, let's, let's play this game. If I told you, like I came from the future, Stephen, three months into the future, and I told you the Dolphins' offense was bad. I told you an offense with Tyree Kill and, J- and Jalen Waddle was bad, and I asked you to figure out how it happened. You would not struggle because no, the quarterback would, throws with his left hand and he's right-handed. No, the, the, yeah, court, the quarterback, right, the quarterback, <laughs> bad and it the comes off, out and the offensive line, right? Like it, it, I would agree with you if I had any proof of concept for any of the other nine players on the starting roster on offense, but I don't. So it's like, all right, it's hard to imagine, but it's also not because everybody else might be mad. Teron Armstead, eight players, I, <laughs> other eight players. I don't have proof of concept. So we've got, we agree on every other playoff thing in the AFC, which is pretty good. Chargers win the West, Ravens win the North, Bills win the East, Colts win the South. Chiefs grab the wild card first, Bengals grab it second. Steven's got the Dolphins with the last one. He'll change his mind before the end of the episode of bet. Solon's <laughs> got the Broncos with the last one. That's good. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash RingerNFL. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerNFL right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. From your morning podcast to your fantasy team, we know you personalize your entire day. That's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with State Farm Personal Price Plan. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices may vary by state. Options selected by customer, availability, and eligibility may vary. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag. There's too much work for your team, too many different processes, and it takes forever to close the books. If this sounds like you, 
You should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and one. 37,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. It's a cloud financial system that can help streamline accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25, that's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do more with less. And one, because your one-of-a-kind business deserves a customized solution for your KPIs. It's like when you come here for this podcast or when you check out your favorite website to gather all the info you need to make better decisions for your fantasy leagues. Well, NetSuite does that for your business and then some. It's one efficient system, one source of truth with everything you need to grow. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. NFC West. Assume we're, no one's picking the Cardinals or the Seahawks here to win this division. So is it it's basically the Rams comeback squad versus the 49ers and Lance. Does, does, I mean, does anyone here have the confidence to take Trey Lance and the Niners and now Jimmy G over the Rams? First of all, you're sleeping on Geno Smith and I won't stand for the disrespect, but no, I didn't pick the Seahawks. I'm picking the 49ers. I have the confidence. Me too. Because wow. I have no okay. confidence. In, the, the vibes with the Rams are just way too off for me. I'm sorry. Dude. What? Okay. Let me just stop here. Let me get this straight. Just talk facts. The 49ers have had Jimmy Garoppolo practicing on a side field for the entire training camp, not meetings, doesn't know his quarterback's coach, hasn't had a playbook, and is now just back. What does Jimmy and need a playbook for? The they team run with... the same eight plays. They've always what run What does he need a playbook? He's a He doesn't have a He's playbook. He's been there for the last four no. years. The playbook didn't change that much. Oh, you're telling me that this is not the team with the bad vibes. It's the Super Bowl champions are the ones with the bad vibes. Matt Stafford's got Matt Stafford can't even surgery because his elbow doesn't work. <laughs> he doesn't even get to throw. So that's what this. But here's the thing. This is the shadow hanging over. the. OK, let's let's stay for a moment, because if we don't know entirely about Stafford's elbow, if Stafford's elbow were 100 percent fine, would you be picking the Rams to win the division? Yes, probably. But I would think about it more than you seem to think that we should be thinking about it because there are other areas of concern on the, like, I'm not convinced that Allen Robinson is going to play the Odell Beckham role or the, like he's going to be able right. to fill that void or the Robert Woods void. I'm worried about that. The offensive line is still a question mark. Yes. Defense loses depth again for like the fourth straight year. Like uh, eventually like Aaron Donald and, and uh, Jalen Ramsey aren't going to be able to hold this up for that long. Like, I think the defense is going to fall back a little bit, and I think the offense might fall back a little bit. So, I don't know. I, I think the 49ers are going to be fine. I think Trey Lance will be fine. The best thing that happened for the Rams in terms of, like, kind of prognosticating out their s- season after the Super Bowl is how very clear setup for regression the Bengals are because you don't notice how very clearly set up for regression the Los Angeles Rams are, right? It's like less, but it's absolutely there. Uh, defensively, like metrics-wise, they looked pretty good. Performance against playoff caliber teams when they were entering the playoffs was like abysmal. It was like, I, are they going to be able to stop anybody, let alone do it for four weeks in a row? Lo and behold, they did it for four weeks in a row. It's pretty sick. And I think Raheem Morris is a good coordinator, but I agree in the sense that 
this Stars and Scrubs construction for defense continues to feel like it has holes in it that are just growing over time. And while Donald and Ramsey remain legitimately the two best players on defense in the entire league, there is only so much. It's Captain America with the helicopter in, in, in the Winter Soldier movie, right? It's like, yeah, he's holding it, but it's very clear this helicopter is going to get away from him at some point. This is going to get away from Aaron Donald <laughs> and Jalen Ramsey at some point. So there's a continued bet on regression there. And then... It, Matt Staff, Matthew Stafford was awesome last year. He was awesome. It was so cool. It was so, it was so, 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 so much fun to see Matthew Stafford play in an offense that we all knew and believed that he could play in, in a style that he could do and it would work. However, we have a decade worth of data on Matthew Stafford and he's a pretty mercurial quarterback. And that was the best season that we've gotten from him. And as far as I know, like Heifetz, you are the king of like landing spots, what matters for quarterbacks. As much as I would like to be all the way on that island with you, I know it too much about Matthew Stafford and like the dumb interception. He tried to throw to Jakiski Tart to lose the game against the Niners in the yep. NFC Championship game to say that like, all right, he's going to be able to avoid the crippling sack. He's going to be able to avoid the crippling interception. Then you throw in the fact that like, now we know that just him finishing 18 games last year was like a miracle and it becomes hard to trust the Rams. It's also hard to trust the Niners. It's just more fun. To I mean, the Trey Lance has thrown a hundred, like a hundred passes in a football game in the last like 700 days. Yeah. It's, it's hard to trust. It's hard to trust the Niners. But when when I go to figure out what I can, you know, uh, uh, count on, right? What what I can really rely on, sun up, sun down. I rely on Shanahan beating McVay, and that like that is what he has historically been able to do. Is that when it comes to building out this offense, figuring out how to do the little adjustments, um, I've always like you always can trust Shanahan over McVay. We've seen that over five years. And then defensively, I trust Demico Ryan's more than Raheem Morris. So it becomes really really tempting to. Take the 49ers for this division. And it's not like Shanahan had to use Jimmy G to beat McVay. Like he he used his run game. And now that run game is going to be just I, I think Trey Lance is going to be a force multiplier. They're going to be able to do so much that I don't think the Rams are going to be able to win those two matchups. And I, it, I think it's just a bad matchup for them anyway. Cause like the 49ers defensive line just bullied their offensive line where they couldn't really do anything. And I think it's easy to forget that that team that we saw in the playoffs, that Rams team, didn't look like that team that we saw over the second half of the season. And Odell Beckham and Von Miller were so key to that run. Like, they don't win the Super Bowl with, without either. They needed both of those guys to, to win the Super to Bowl. To get to the game, they needed both of those guys, let and alone And now they're win. both gone. Yeah. And now they're both gone. And I think those guys are going to be very, very hard to, to replace. The way we talk about Trey right now is exactly how we talked about Jalen Hurts at this time last year, minus the whole like, you know, 100 passes in 700 days. Like, obviously, that the lack of experience really, really matters. Hurts was a multiple year starter. I absolutely get that. I'm stunned to hear you say that because I think if Jalen Hurts has like made the college football playoff four years in a row, right. and then I feel like Trey Lance played in the FCS. No, the, the, the difference in experience is massive. And if Lance falters, it will be because he has bad games and he doesn't know how to like handle that, bounce back from that adversity, yada, yada, which is like what Hurts is so good at. So I absolutely allow for that difference in terms of personality, disposition, experience, leadership, locker room, off-field, yada, yada, whatever. On field, at this time last year, 365 days ago, it was like, Hurts is very inconsistent as a passer. He can open up the thing for you in the running game. The Eagles just have to decide to be that on offense. And it took the Eagles eight weeks to figure it out. They were able to make some, some shifts midseason. They were able to change themselves at the bye. They had a good running game coordinator, offensive line coach, and Jeff Stoutland. They figured this out, and they were able to make the playoffs. And now everybody's like, yo, Eagles Super Bowl, Jalen Hurts MVP, wah, wah, wee, wah. We don't even have to worry about the first eight weeks. We don't have to worry about the can they figure out the running game. This is Kyle Shanahan. This is the dude you would, you would go get to figure out a running quarterback. This is RG3 in 2012 nonsense. 
We already know they're going to have it from week one in terms of the running game. It's just, can you get through the wrinkles, get through the bumps? Can you get through the ups and downs with a very inexperienced young quarterback? I felt really good about that when I picked the Niners to win the division a couple days ago. They then signed Jimmy G back, extended, restructured. I don't know what the verb is. That has me a little concerned. I don't love that in terms of just having the guy who played in last year's NFC Championship game lurking on the bench behind the very inexperienced rookie. That feels toxic. Can we agree the Rams are a wild card team? That's not a conversation, right? No, I have, the, I have them as my second wild card team. Okay, so like you have the Rams as a wild card team? I do have the Rams as a wild card team. It, the Rams are very much a how many games does Matthew Stafford play team for me right now. But majority, wild card. All right, well, hopefully his elbow is uh, not falling off his body. Okay, NFC North. Packers, 13 wins each last three seasons. Do you guys have the Packers winning? I, I mean, when you have the Bears, that'll be a good bit. But like Packers, Vikings, Lions, Solok, I'm curious. Packers over everybody. Uh, to me, this one's about as as neat as like the AFC East and the NFC South, and we'll get there. Uh, like, is no Devonta going to make the team worse? Yes. Have the Vikings ever remotely held a candle to the Packers, the Bears, Lions? No. I will believe something is changing exactly at the moment at which I see it, and not a second beforehand. All like Lions hype is cute. I think they'll be better. I don't think they'll be a playoff team. Uh, Vikings hype is as quaint as always. This is Kirk we're talking about. It's just not worth the time. And then Bears hype doesn't exist. It's the Packers. Yeah. I'm not buying into the hype for the Lions or the Vikings. I I do feel like every August, I like start to talk myself into the Vikings. And I'm like, Kirk's not that bad. And they got some pieces around him. They, know, you, they you, got some names. You and, and Shield can go to your own little Vikings podcast together for people who don't learn from their past mistakes. Right. But I'm not going to do it this year. The Packers. Okay, good. The, the best team. They have the best quarterback. They have the best quarterback in the NFL. They have a, a very good coach. They have a, maybe the best defense in the NFL. Like, they, don't overthink this. The Vikings are okay. the Vikings. The Lions are the Lions. The Bears are the Bears. The Packers are going to win. Speaking of not overthinking, so NFC South, the Buccaneers have Tom Brady. On the other hand, I just keep thinking, but he didn't want to play, and he retired because he didn't want to play for them, and then he came back, and then he left. So it's like, I can't tell if I'm overthinking the Buccaneers to win the division or underthinking. I actually kind of think the Saints are going to win. So like, you have like hated the Saints all offseason, and I'm curious. I feel like the Saints win this division, and I'm curious if you have the Saints or the Bucs here. You think the Saints win this division? I do. I don't. Agree. Oh my God. The face, the looks that I just got from both of you. <laughs> but, I wasn't ready for holy that, man. Cow. Yeah. I think if Brady retired today, I think the. Uh, okay, let's play this game. Brady retires today. Who do the Bucks go trade for? Jimmy? Tyrod? Who are they going to go get? Let's say, yeah, Jimmy. Brady Jimmy. left, goes to the Bahamas, the Giselle, yeah. and they get which Jimmy. Which, Jimmy, which, like, I don't even think they'd go for Jimmy because Jimmy does not fit the style of offense at all. But let's say it's Jimmy. I think the Jimmy led Bucks win this division over the Saints. Like I <laughs> like like Brady's incredible, but holy's like okay. The the interior offensive line injuries are a reason for concern. The Buccaneers were my NFC Super Bowl pick. I honestly am still really waffling on my NFC Super Bowl pick, but like the the interior issues aside, we have Mike Edwins, Chris Godwin, Russell Gage, Leonard Fournette on offense. Defensively, we have let's just read the whole defensive depth chart: Akeem Hicks, Vita Vea, Willie Golston, Joe Tryon, Shayinka, Devin White, Levante David, Shaq Barrett, Sean Murphy Bunting, Jamel Dean, Carlton Davis, Antoine Winfield Jr., Mike Edwards. Todd Bowles is still there. Like this is Bucks winning the division. <laughs> Bucks winning the division. Tom Brady, Jimmy Garoppolo, Boomer Esiason, Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold wins the division with him. With him. <laughs> Bucks, Bucks roster. Like two years ago, 
when after the Bucks won the Super Bowl, every offseason pod, I was going back and listening to them. It's always fun to listen to old offseason pods. Was like the only way the Bucks lose the Super Bowl is if they have injury issues. And then they lost in the divisional round to the Rams on a game that they should have won, yada, yada, whatever. The roster going through it two years ago, going through it now, it's like exactly the same. It's the same roster. It is an unbelievably talented, loaded depth chart. Bucks win the division. I do have the Saints as a wild card team, though. So I'm with you there. I think they're a playoff team. But I, yeah, the Bucks just too much talent. And there are too many question marks around the Saints. Like the Saints are the only team that I think can challenge them. And then now you're replacing Sean Payton. That has to matter. He's one of the greatest coaches ever. That has to matter. Yes. This is my thing that I always go back to, which is like the Saints were every year a contender when they had Breeze and Payton. And then they lost Breeze. And we were like, oh, they're probably still a contender because they still have Payton. And then they lost Payton. And we're like, oh, they're probably still a contender because they have Dennis Allen. No, you guys are all getting Mickey loomis Just because Mickey is acting like this team is a contender doesn't mean we also have to still think this team is a contender. This is Michael Thomas off of injury. This is a banged up offensive line, which all their first round picks, Trevor Penning's not going to play. Eric McCoy, Andrews Pete, Cesar Ruiz. These are not as good of players as like Ryan Ramchuk was and Teron Armstead when they brought them into the building. Defensively, losing Malcolm Jenkins, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, and Marcus Williams for Marcus May and Tyron Matthew is a absolute net loss. Like that is a thing that matters. They lost Trey Hendrickson and they're replacing him with Marcus, Marcus Davenport, Carl Granderson. That is a thing that matters. They are losing on the margins. And this whole team construction was about winning on the margins. And they, they, we are every year we get further away from that 2017 draft. The Saints continue to just drop down a peg, drop down a peg, drop down a peg. And Mickey Loomis won't accept that, but I will. I think the biggest red flag is how like openly it seems that Sean Payton is like flirting with teams about coming back. <laughs> yeah, like it's That's very fair. clear that he's not like I'm retired. It's like I'm tired of this shit. <laughs> you know who also thinks the Saints are done? Sean Payton. <laughs> That's he fair because the same way that the Brady like tried to quit on the Bucks, Sean Payton literally did quit on the Saints. It didn't change his mind. Is it That's like fair. is it forgetting Sarah Marshall where like Paul Rudd is like when life gives you lemons, just say fuck the lemons fuck and the bail. lemons and bail. <laughs> That's what Sean yeah. Payton did. <laughs> it's a kunu. When Sean when Mickey Loomis gives you this roster, you say f this roster and you bail. You go to the Cowboys and uh, Steven, you have the Saints as a wild card. So do you have the Saints as a wild card, or you're just out out? No, I'm out. Okay. NFC East, I feel like with the NFC East, it's you don't have to be faster than the Bear, just faster than your slowest friends. I assume we assume, we agree that the Giants and Washington are the slowest friends. Cowboys won it last year. Cowboys are getting worse. Eagles are getting better. I mean, Solak, you're the Go Birds guy. Do you have the Eagles winning the division? Go Birds, baby. I, That's what I thought. Up until uh, recently, have been Eagles realist, where I've been like, guys, like Jalen Hurts is a limited passer. We don't really know anything about Jonathan Gannon just yet. Let's chill out. There's a, you know, it's not this good of a team. Like we don't want to uh, hyped up Eagles teams tend to be really bad. Eagles teams. I've been burned too many times. And then they traded for Chauncey Gardner Johnson, legitimately one of my favorite players in the league. And I was like, all right, I'm all the way in. Here we go, baby. Eagles to the Super Bowl. When you look at NFC Super Bowl contenders, right? Like let's, let's call it what Buccaneers Packers for sure. Um, I would say like Rams deserve to be up there again, just because they were there last season. I have the Niners right winning there as well. And then like, okay, let's throw the Eagles in there. Like, let's do that. Let's pretend all of a sudden. And now like you do that. And then you look at just the quarterbacks and you realize you're talking about Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Matthew Stafford, Jalen Hurts, Trey Lance. And it just becomes yeah. clear what category of quarterback Hurts is relative to those other guys. Like if the Rams win the division as, as Hyphens expects, then the division winning quarterbacks are Brady, Rodgers, Stafford, and Hurts. It's just like, it, he's so clearly a couple of tiers below those guys. It becomes hard to believe in the Eagles in January, but through December, yeah, I, I'm there with them as the division winner. 
I think people do underrate Jalen Hurts a little bit. I think he's a useful player. He's not the quarterback that you want to have as your franchise quarterback. Like if I was an Eagles fan, I would want more. But just like looking at his performance this season, I think it's going to be good enough to beat the Cowboys because I think he's, you can build the run game around him. You can install certain pass concepts that you know he's going to be able to execute. And I think he gets better every year as a passer. I think they're going to be able to expand their offense a, a little bit, just enough to make it to make it better than it was last year when they finished 10th in DVOA. Then you add A.J. Brown. The defense is too loaded. The Cowboys have a lot of question marks along the offensive line. I don't believe in that coaching staff at all. This is an easy pick for me, actually. I don't think it's a homer pick by Solak at all. I, I, I think the Eagles win by like two games. I agree. I'm a Giants fan, too. So like I'm somewhat objective in my hatred of the Eagles and the Cowboys. And I look at an Eagles team that is doing everything they can to get better and improve and adding A.J. Brown and Jordan Davis and like adding like Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. I'm like, oh, my God. I think the Eagles have now four cornerbacks better than the Giants have, which is hilarious. Well, but you look at the Cowboys cutting Art Murray Cooper and they need receivers. They're cutting Lel Collins and they need offensive tackles. And then they kept Mike McCarthy, who... Led the league in penalties last year. It's another word I can't say. Dolphins, I can't say, and I can't say penalties, so get used to it. But the Cowboys led the league in penalties, go into a playoff game, get 14 penalties, five of which extend a drive. Then I would say complaint. They kind of just bitch about the, the refs after the game. And it's like, what do you think is going to happen in officiating when you lead the league in penalties? They come into the preseason. And didn't that preseason, 17 pre- penalties in the preseason? What does Mike McCarthy do all day if you're not worried about details and clock management? Like they, he they, tells ESPN the game, how good of a coach plays. he is. <laughs> it's unbelievable. It's anyway, I com- I completely agree. Cowboys fans, I don't even think would disagree that anything any of us are saying. It's the whole thing's befuddling. So Eagles win the NFC East. Are we putting the Cowboys in as a wildcard team? I I did. Yeah, I have the Cowboys. I didn't as a wild feel card team. good about it though. I didn't feel good about it. It's more like you're in by default, and I can't find another team to pick. I, a part of me, we submitted our picks for the written version of this uh, on Monday, and now I want to go back and pick the Seahawks. God, you sicko. Every year, you have to pull three teams out of each conference. We got the Bucks who are a repeat. We got the Packers who are a repeat. The Eagles are a repeat. The Rams are a repeat. The Cowboys would be a repeat. And at that point, it just doesn't happen that cleanly. My my so, NFC playoffs is Eagles, Packers, 49ers, Buccaneers, Rams, Cardinals, Cowboys, which is the NFC playoffs from last year. But literally that's the, the problem with the NFC is it kind of freaking sucks. <laughs> that would be funny if actually that's the encapsulation of how bad the NFC is this year. It's like the first time in NFL history, which all seven teams are just back. Steven, why do you think the Seahawks are competitive? I think out of the teams that we're talking about here, like the Cardinals, the thing about the Cardinals is they have the best quarterback. I personally don't trust the quarterback and the coach to stay, like to, to keep their momentum, early season momentum going into the second half. So I, I kind of feel like they're going to fall off. The Seahawks, I, I think they have a high ceiling. I really do. I know people think Geno sucks. I don't think he sucks. But I think the offense is going to be better than it was last year. Just because of the scheme, like you actually get to run the McVay scheme, whereas last year you didn't. And Rashad Penny is one of the best running backs in the league to me. Running the scheme that he's just perfectly suited for, a scheme that he likes to run. He he talked about in the offseason, oh, we're going to run under center a lot more because now we don't have to worry about Russ. He didn't say that part, but now Russ isn't here forcing them into shotgun formations. And I think the run game is going to take off. The play action passing game is going to be better as a result of that. I think Gino is decent enough in third down situations to keep the offense on the field. My one concern is Pete Carroll on the defense, but I do like the coaching staff. I don't know if I like the pieces, but I think the coaches are in place to get like a decent defense on the field, like 18th ranked in DVOA. The offense is like 16th, 14th. I think that's like enough in the NFC. Steven said the offense is going to be better. 
The Seahawks offense was seventh in DVOA last year. That's fake. That was fake. That's what they were. What do you want? Well, yeah, it was so disjointed. That sounds it was like impossible. There was, there was like the first month. There was like the Geno uh, weeks. There was when Russ came back too early, and it was really ugly. And then there was like fake results against the Lions in December. Like I don't, I don't trust that DVOA. Number. I agree. It was weird. However, the Seahawks offense last year was pretty good for like six games, and they won those games. And then every other game, it was like horrible. I just, I think that while like the harmony and aesthetic of the Seahawks offense may improve mightily. I'm not sure the actual output will be measurably better to the point of like win-loss column impact. No, no. I, I, I'm hyping up Gino right now. I just want this to happen just for all my Gino priors to come true, but it's not going to happen. That's why, that's why I went with the Cowboys. All right, well, you can touchdown dance on us when Gino Smith makes the playoffs in, I don't know, 2027. Or maybe she can Madden Sim until it happens naturally. Okay, so... That's our NFC playoff field. So we got the nine. You guys got the Niners winning the West, Eagles winning the East, Packers winning the North, Bucks winning the South, Wild Cards, Cowboys, Rams, and then Steven as the Saints. So like you have the Cardinals. Yeah, I think the Cardinals. I agree with Steven where it's like, do I want to trust this team? Absolutely not. I. It is tough. But here to, we are. It is tough to argue with the talent of Kyler. Tough to argue against like the talent of DeAndre Hopkins. The fact that like the Cliff offense generally gets to work with the with the fact that they have Kyler as the wild card. Defensively, again, like if Vance Joseph has a top 10 defense by DPOA again, I'm gonna I Vance Joseph is my hero. Like it's just there's no guy in the league who just walks just like it's like a kitchen sink man. He's like trying to like open up the cabinets like all right, we got like a bunch of weird ingredients and he just makes like a palatable meal every single season. So shout out Vance for just being the unsung hero of dealing with the roster scraps that are left over for him in Arizona. Uh, I think they just have, they have enough talent that they should endure as a wild card team. I do not expect, you know, to be any more impressed with them than I am now, which is zero, but they're there and the NFC is bad. So, but now if we try to figure out who's going to win the NFC among these playoff teams, who's going to make the Super Bowl from the NFC. It's what you said earlier, Solak, where you just just look at these quarterbacks. You've got the 49ers with Trey Lance, the Eagles with Jalen Hurts, the Packers with Aaron Rodgers, the Bucks with Tom Brady, Cowboys with Dak Prescott, like Mike McCarthy's there, the Ram, you know, uh, with the Rams with Matt Stafford, the Cardinals with um, you know, either Kyler, but the whole, that whole thing, or this, you know, the uh, Seahawks with Gino, whatever the hell so, uh, Steven's talking about. And I just look at these and like, are you actually going to pick against Brady or Rodgers in this field? But then it's like, well, the Packers got rid of Devontae Adams. The Bucs are already like one of the more injured teams in the whole conference. So I, I, that's where I kept looking at this thing. And it felt so weird. I ended up picking the Packers. But it feels so strange. And I'm curious where you like, Stephen, where did you come out on this NFC? Uh, I went with the Bucs. It was tough between the Bucs and the Packers. But it just like it came down to the depth of the talent. Uh, we saw Aaron Rodgers last year. Like low-key Aaron Rodgers lost them that playoff game against the 49ers last year. And I think he it, it was because the 49ers figured out a way to take away Devontae Adams, and we saw him kind of struggle to to find answers within that. I don't you don't think it was never, the special teams that cost them like 13 points in a game that the Niners only scored 10? Right, but how many did the Packers score? And Aaron Rodgers left a lot of big plays on the field. Like he was he might have been like one of the worst players for the Packers offense. But anyway, that's besides the point. That's never going to be an issue with the with the Bucs. They have too many weapons. Tom Brady is too good at finding secondary and third options. Todd Bowles' defense, I think, is tricky to play in the playoffs. It's like tough to prepare for on short notice. I, I like I don't even think it's like a tough pick. 
I think it's the Bucks, the Packers in that second tier, and then everyone else. So, do you agree? Did you also take Tampa Bay? I took the Packers. Uh, talk a lot about regression in terms of teams that overperformed coming back down to earth. It's so hard to go to the playoffs as many times as the Packers have with Aaron Rodgers and to not go to more than one Super Bowl. That's actually very difficult to do, uh, especially consecutive MVPs. They made it to the divisional round. I want to say that's like four seasons in a row or something like that. At some point, the Packers are going to come out of the NFC. Might as well just keep on betting every... I had the Packers like winning the Super Bowl last year. Might as well just keep on betting that they're going to do it at some point and then eventually be right. Uh, Rodgers is playing out of his mind. I think defensively, they're going to be very good. The offensive line to me right now is is the more like pressing concern in the sense that it's something that can be fixed relative to like the wide receiver room and kind of the the reality they've spun for themselves there. I If Bakhtiari is really able to come off the pup list, if Elton Jenkins is happy with his contract and they get those guys back on the field, I think this offense is going to be really good. And even if it's like an eight targets for Sammy Watkins day, I think they're still going to score 30 and they're going to beat the bad teams. They're going to be able to come, come into the, uh, into the cold weather games of the playoffs. They're going to have AJ Dillon. They're going to have their physical brand of football. They're going to generate turnovers. It's going to work for them. So to me, like it's like a bucks Packers NFC championship game. And then eventually again, Rogers got to get to the Super Bowl at some point. This is just, that has to happen because of the laws of big numbers. Who would you guys want to come out of the NFC though? Like, who would you guys want to come out? Forget, like, you know, at the end of the day, this is hard to predict such a weird conference, but I'm curious what you want to see. I would say Packers or 49ers. Like, if the 49ers are good enough to make the Super Bowl, that means Kyle Shanahan did some, like, crazy 2016, 2012 type shit. And I think that will be fun to watch. But I would say Aaron Rodgers. I want to see Aaron Rodgers in the Super Bowl again. We've only seen it, what, once? And we need to see it again. I don't want to have to discuss Aaron Rodgers' legacy for my entire career in sports media because I generally don't enjoy discussing Aaron Rodgers the person uh, accordingly it would be nice if he just won another Super Bowl and then we could be like yeah he won two Super Bowls that's really good he won a lot of MVPs that's really good Aaron Rodgers is a very good quarterback and we don't have to like litigate his career a bunch uh, which would then just require continued discussions about Aaron Rodgers I'd like to see the Packers there's a, a little uh, you know plucky team that I think has done really good roster building stuff that would also be interesting to see in the Super Bowl from the NFC well, it sounds like it's time to move to the AFC. Go Eagles, baby. Uh, no one wants so, to watch Jalen Hurts in the Super Bowl. Come on now. No, you don't even want to do that. It'd be, it, you guys would enjoy watching me watch Jalen Hurts in the Super Bowl. You guys would have a good time with that. You will enjoy him. Wa- you will enjoy watching him on Nickelodeon when, when he wins MVP. And that's MVP, the MVP. It's a motion get. All right. AFC. So for a, lo- a long history of the NFL, it was like seeing that the winner of the NFC just would win the Super Bowl and that the AFC was kind of like doormat to unveil. Like, And I'm wondering if we feel that way about the AFC, maybe not because Brady and Rodgers there, but if we're talking about the NFC where it's like Brady and Rodgers and we're like, oh, I don't know, toss up. AFC, just the quarterbacks we've chosen. We've got Herbert and the Chargers, Mahomes and the Chiefs, Lamar and the Ravens, Josh Allen and the Bills, Matt Ryan and the Colts, LOL, Joe Burrow and the Bengals. Uh, and then, you know, Solak, you've got, Broncos here with Russell Wilson and then Steven, you've got Dolphins and Tua. You can still change your mind if you want. I'm curious, Steven, who do you have coming out of this conference? Or at least who are the teams that you look at and you're like trying to sort through mentally? Like, who are you filtering out? Uh, I'm filtering out the Colts, obviously. I, the Bills, I, the Bills are tricky for me. I, I don't quite think they're as good as people think they are. I think we forget. The Super remember- Bowl favorite. 
Right. I think we remember the playoffs, but that, those growing pains for the offense during the regular season are like they didn't just go away. I very much agree. And now you have a different different offensive coordinator. I don't know if like Brian Dayball was really like as good as we think because he had a quarterback like Josh Allen, but it's fair to question Ken Dorsey. He's never done this before. And now he's doing a job at the highest level of the sport with so much scrutiny on him. I don't know. It might be tough for them, but I'm picking the Chiefs to come out. I know everything we said about the Chargers and the Chiefs earlier, but that was based on over the regular season. I think the Chargers are going to be better. But by the time January rolls around, I think the Chiefs are just going to be humming. And I don't think any team is going to be able to hang with them. I very much agree with Steven that the Bills probably aren't as good as we remember them. There were those weird growing pains. They had the bad games of the Patriots. They lost to the Jaguars. I am, however, selecting the Bills to come out of the AFC. And that's because the growing pains weren't endured. I think that we have we have seen them nicely come through. A lot of what we talked about with the Bills last year was on offense, the fact that they wanted to live in the spread world. We're going to live in 10 personnel, four receivers on the field. We're going to not have anybody attached to the formation, right? So even when we have Dawson Knox, the field's going to be in the slot. We call it like a four open formation. There's no dudes next to the tackles. And then they were like, wow, everybody's getting pressure with four. How is this happening? You don't have any help, man. Like you gotta be, you gotta be able to change it. Like living in the spread in the NFL is really, really, really hard. Well, Cole Beasley snaps started to go down. Gabriel Davis, 6'3, 215, big guy. His snaps started to go up and they started to condense the formations a little bit. It helped out a lot. Defensively, we talked about the continued limits that they have because they are a one cornerback team. They were Tredavious White. They were good nickel and Teron Johnson. But then outside corner too, like Levi Wallace was fine, but it was hard for them to just like line up and man on a guy because they had a weakness at their second outside corner spot. And then Trey White got hurt and it and like, all right, we're just gonna be a zone team forever. It's hard to stop playoff quarterbacks in zone. If you are a zone dominant defense, you better not play any playoff quarterbacks for your entire season. You gotta be able to play man. Why? For, why is it, why? Why is it hard to... Zone, like, why is that a thing? Uh, Nick Saban very famously said, uh, or not, well, no, no, Dan Marino very famously said, of the cover three defense, they're playing cover three, everything's open. <laughs> it's not a route that's covered, baby. Like, if you're, if you're dropping to a spot, you as a, as a, as a defensive player, you're dropping to an area, and I, as a quarterback, I'm playing enough reps, so I generally understand where you can and can get and how quickly you can get there. I can throw anything, right? At the NFL level, I'm just, we're too fast. We're too precise. The ball's out too quickly. They're too accurate. The receivers are too big, too fast. Zone, everything's open. The Bills play incredible, wonderful, delightful, impressive zone defense. It just really sucks when you can't just man up on a guy, press him at the line of scrimmage, throw off timing. Like, go watch Travis, Travis Kelsey last year for the Chiefs. When he was struggling, it's because they could throw, like, defenses were throwing a body on him and manning him up at the line of scrimmage. Then watch what he was able to do against the Bills in the playoff game. They just didn't have the guy that could get up on the line and cause the issue. First round pick, Kyrie Lamont of Florida. Extremely important pick at cornerback for the Buffalo Bills. If the Bills win the Super Bowl this year, Kyrie Elam played well. Uh, and, I, and I think what, they, what you've heard from him in camp, what you've seen from him on film, both in the college and the, in the pros of our preseason, I think there's reason to be excited. So I like the Bills to come out because I think they learned from the mistakes last year. I expect a smoother operation this year. My one concern about that would be that we're basing this off of two games against the Patriots who were basically had refrigerators at linebacker last year and couldn't play man <laughs> coverage, like you said. And a game against the Chiefs, and the Chiefs defense wasn't very good. And that was basically Josh Allen just blacking out and like making ridiculous plays. It wasn't like great offense necessarily. And now you lose Dayball, 
who who figured those things out over the course of the season. What happens if there are more growing pains in September? Are we trusting Ken Dorsey, a rookie offensive coordinator, to figure it out? Are we relying on a rookie cornerback to solve this this issue that plagued them in the playoffs? No, 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 no. no. We're relying on Leslie Frazier and Josh Allen. That's the known quantities here: Leslie Frazier, Sean McDermott, and Josh Allen. I think. Are that you the sending offense- a tweet during this podcast? No, I'm sending. I'm sending a picture to somebody. It's a pay- the Eagles I- just signed Ian Book off of waivers, and last year Ian Book lost me two hundred thousand dollars in a DraftKings showdown, and I'm personally irate that he is now on my football team. How are you able to just explain why Dan Marino can just pick apart zone defenses while also processing all that and texting it to somebody else? Because somebody sent me the Ian Book tweet and laughing, and now I'm sending back proof that he lost me two hundred thousand dollars. This also, is I don't want to call Solak. I don't want to call Solak out, but he got the he butchered the Dan Marino Saban thing. Saban's the one that said the quote, and what he said was, "When you're playing spot <laughs> drop, or that when you're playing Dan Marino, that spot drop, that break on the ball stuff doesn't work." I, at first, I, I first I said I said Nick Saban said I was like, "No, it doesn't make sense." The quarterback would have said it, but he said it. He put the words in Dan Marino's mouth. That was the issue. Well, maybe because you're texting and potting, you messed up. Blame it on Ian Book. It's Ian Book's fault. Yeah, it's Ian Book's fault. Always Ian Book's fault. All things are. So my takeaway from this is Nick Saban and Dan Marino cost Ben Solak $200,000. That's kind of what I figured out here. Okay. So back to where we were. Steven, I, I guess if we're going to go ahead and say, well, they've went through trial and tribulations and they lost for the Bills, and that's kind of what Slok's saying is, well, they lost, they've added pieces. I mean, the Chiefs were up almost 20 points in the AFC Championship game, and then they come back and they kind of retool their offense. Like, Steven, you have the Chiefs win the Super Bowl. Like, what? Why doesn't that just apply to Kansas City too? Like, are, are we are we basically saying here like the Chiefs and the Bills are the two juggernauts? Get him, Danny and everyone why is everyone else did, playing for third? Why did the Chiefs lose that game? Blow that twenty point lead? Is it because can't Patrick be Mahomes? Eight. Mahomes can't be drop eight. Mahomes forgot to, how to play football for a quarter. Like, I the last thing I'm worried about is that continuing with Patrick. Well, that's Mahomes. my He's question. Be so they, this is what I don't understand. Every every so Bill Simmons keeps saying Mahomes with five seconds is the best thing in the world. Didn't the Chiefs lose? the championship game because the Bengals said, let's give Mahomes five seconds and drop eight in coverage. So his brain will break because like he has too much time and he won't check down. Like, isn't that what happened? That's not, that's kind of what happened, but not really. Like he threw a screen pass right to a defensive end. That's what happened. He like tried isn't to that make your a brain play fumble. Uh, yeah, I'm with Danny. I'm with Danny. That's not, uh, yo, you're anti No, but I'm not with you so like <laughs> either because I'm saying the whole, like, I thought the whole argument for the too high stuff was that, the Mahomes, the Bur- all these guys, the Burroughs, the Josh Allens have been trained aggression downfield. And when you take that away, these guys who have been prepping and, tra- and planning and training to like not really take these short checkdowns. I know I'm oversimplifying it, but it's like now that the Chiefs are building their offense again, it's like, I don't know. It's I see an argument that the like and who basically both these teams are retooling a little bit. Right. Don't you want Andy Reid retool- retooling your offense more than uh, Ken Dorsey for the Bills? Yeah, you d- you do. And the problem last year against the Bengals was they they didn't major in that stuff. Now they've spent the offseason kind of building up the roster so they can major in it. In theory, we don't know. We have to see it actually happen. So I think having that in their bag and having that be something that they worked on throughout the offseason, throughout September, October, November, December, I think they'll be more comfortable going to it in January. One of the problems last year wasn't just Mahomes forgetting how to play football. I thought they got too cute. I thought the play calling was pretty bad. They never adjusted to our man Big Lou in Cincinnati, still don't know how to pronounce his last name, and I refuse to learn. Uh, but that's why they lost. They got outcoached, and Patrick Mahomes forgot how to play football. They have one of the best coaches ever, so I don't think they're going to get outcoached every week. They have one of the best quarterbacks ever. I don't think he's going to forget how to play football. 
So I, I think they'll be fine. Josh Allen forgetting how to play football is a thing that could happen. We, we shouldn't rule that out <laughs> every now and then. The, the number one thing I was going to say here is like, yeah, like we've Chris and Mahomes is invulnerable from this condition, but ignore the fact that Josh Allen also has these peak games. And we're just fine with that. Um, the thing with like, like, oh, too high, drop eight, take away the deep pass, take away the explosive is like, those are more like precipitates. Those are more like symptoms. They're kind of what happens when you decide to do X. And what X really is, is change the picture, right? Like it's not about like, I think two I takes away the explosives and forces you to check down like that. Like that is it, but that's also not it. It's the fact that you, when you're in this, like the too high world, when you're dropping eight, whenever you're doing like sim pressures, like a ton of schematic stuff that we've talked about in these shows before, we'll talk about more in the future is that you are forcing quarterbacks to do work post snap. You are showing offensive coordinators different things than they watched in the film in the week leading up to this game. You as a defense are sacrificing. This is what we do. And we are experts in it for the sake of saying we are going to be amorphous. We are going to be like water. I always think of like the Hunger Games movies when it's like they're all figuring that's they're like, you know, like the, all the politics battling are going and President Snow goes <laughs> moves and counter moves. Like that's just what it is. It's just moves and counter moves. It's just actions and reactions. And so with Mahomes and the Chiefs offense, Bills and, and Josh Allen offense facing drop eight, getting rid of Tyreek Hill, being in 10 personnel. It's all just moves and counter moves. It's this is what defenses are picking on us for right now. This is what they're trying to expose. Do we have the facilities to make changes? And while I do think that writ large, the Chiefs probably have a little bit more facilities to make changes. You trust Andy Reid more than Ken Dorsey on offense. I do think that Allen Mahomes are just at this point such alien status that it really doesn't bother me either way. I expect those guys to win me football games. I expect them to score points. Uh, they they have transcended this little chessboard of schematic whatevers. They're just too good. First thing we said on this podcast was you two both said and agreed that the Chargers had a better roster than the Chiefs. So are the Chargers this third? Are we like? Are you guys basically saying the Chiefs and the Bills are the top two Super Bowl contenders in the AFC? Are the Chargers there or not? Or is there another team? Like basically, if you're both wrong. Are you both like if Steven, you pick the Chiefs, you're picking this Bill Select. If you're both wrong, are you basically saying, yeah, I'm like those are both the top two? Is that fair? It's the the Chargers are next. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't rule out the Bengals necessarily, because I do think there's a chance that they made improvements over the offseason. I just don't think it's gonna happen. But like if it's not the Bills or Chiefs, it's the Chargers. And if it's not the Chargers, it's definitely the Bengals. And I don't think any of the other teams in the in the Ravens? conference. <sighs> <laughs> AFC's good, baby. <laughs> That's a Greg Roman question for me. I have yeah. to see. Like they're talking about this, like having a new passing offense, but I need to see Greg Roman do it. And if they don't, it doesn't work in the playoffs. Yeah. I'll say this to the Chargers: as I, I open this podcast with, how far on the ledge do you want to be with the Chargers? This is not a team with a lot of playoff experience, right? Like even the veteran, right? Like, oh, Khalil Mack, not a lot of playoff experience for Khalil. Not a lot of playoff experience for Keenan. Mike Williams. Does right? that matter? He's a defensive end. It does. It does in terms of, of of how to take care of your body across the course of a longer season, how the preparation levels are different. The coaching staffs, it matters as well. Like obviously Staley has like ran, ran a defense for the playoffs once, right? He's just one season of a defensive coordinator. It's not a lot of experience. Joe Lombardi has like coordinated an offense for some playoff runs when he was in New Orleans. But like I I, I absolutely think it matters because you as a as an individual, a guy in the building, you feel different when you show up for week 19 and you know 
that this is a different caliber of football, different caliber of opponents. It is win and in. It is lose and go home. It is do or die. And there is a culture of preparation. There is a consistency of belief. We have been here before. We have won these games. We've lost these games and recovered. We know how to be in these waters that the Chargers don't have. So I would love to say the Chargers win the Super Bowl, but I think in order for them to do that, like let's if they get the first round by, great. But if they don't, they're going to have to beat three teams that in a loaded AFC have been here before. They have to go like Ravens, Bengals, Chiefs, Ravens, Bills, Bengals. These teams have been around in these playoffs, man. It is really hard to win those three games in a row. And that's ultimately why we basically are on the Bills and the Chiefs because the Bills just went through that and saw how high of a level you have to be to beat Kansas City. And that really is why yeah. they're the Super Bowl favorites. They, at this point, the they've just earned have. a little bit. Yeah, they just have earned yeah. a little bit more trust, in my opinion. But would love to be wrong. Charger Super Bowl run would be sick. Okay, so you guys, so so you're picking the, the Chiefs to win, Steven? Chiefs yeah. to win the whole thing? Yeah, I'm picking the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl. So like you're picking the Bills? Bills. All right, last thing before we go. Who do you want to win the Super Bowl? The Other than your own teams. You can't, you can't say, you can't see the Eagles. Other the Eagles don't make the playoffs. Why didn't you say the Panthers? Why did you use the Eagles as the example? Yeah, I bit. just thought we were being adults here. Okay. Uh, if it's not the Panthers, the Chargers. I do want to see the Chargers win. Ravens. I want Lamar to sign the biggest contract that ever existed. And yeah, I'm changing I'll, my pick. It's the Ravens. Yeah. The Ravens are I, my pick. I want to yeah. see him. The Joe Flacco yeah. thing happens all yeah. over again. I want to. I want to. I want to see. I love. I just love Lamar. I love rooting for him so much. I'd love to see him celebrate. Uh, I, I. I love that coaching staff a lot. There's a lot of guys in that coaching staff that I think deserve a ton of credit, and they deserve the visibility of doing a great job. I think that the Ravens would be the most fun team to watch in the Super Bowl. I would pick the Ravens too. Okay, there we go. That's it. The entire birds. season. We just decided. Slightly southwest. All right, that's all we got. This was the Ringer NFL show. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Steven. Thank you, Carlos, for production help. Um, go Giants. Doesn't have to say Let's go Birds. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just... Once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more.